Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Well, thanks for listening to Revive the Drive. We're excited to have another topic to talk about today. Today's topic is spiritual gifts. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know, it's interesting that uh, the Apostle Paul was so concerned that the believers in the church in Corinth would not be uninformed or ignorant about spiritual gifts, and yet many believers in the 21st century, after all these years of uh, church doctrine being developed and the scriptures being so readily available to us, are still largely unaware or uninformed about what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts. And it's such an important topic. Uh, The Bible tells us that every believer is given spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit to be used for God's glory in this world through the church. And so uh, it's such an important aspect and topic for each one of us as believers because it's something that is very practical. It's something that we uh, ought to be applying every day of our lives and rejoice in. And so let's talk about spiritual gifts. I'm here with uh, Pastor Art and Pastor Daniel, and I just might throw out the question first, what are spiritual gifts? How do you define that? Hmm. I think it's important to answer that question, what they are, is to think about what what they're not. uh, They're not the same as a talent or an ability, and sometimes as I see spiritual gift inventories go around, they're really asking what people enjoy or what their natural inclinations are, are toward. And, and so it's it's important to, to focus, first of all, that, that, the, that these are a spiritual enabling to do works of ministry. This mm-hmm. is something the Holy Spirit is equipping a person uh, to be able to do. And uh, if I jump in there, what what would you say the difference is between a talent and a spiritual gift then? Because God uses talent certainly Absolutely. as well. Yeah. And and sometimes it's hard to distinguish, you know, when when it is talent and when it's when it's a spiritual gift. But I'd say it's something that, that only God can receive credit for a person mm-hmm. being able mm-hmm. to do. And so, for example, if, if I just have these these natural abilities and I'm using them my own, my own strength, then, then God doesn't really get any glory for that. I can say, Well, yep, I'm a I'm a pretty good I'm a pretty good administrator, and so that, that's why I'm, I'm able to do this. But if, if there's uh, a work that God is doing within me to enable me to, to do a task of ministry, then, then I think that's, that's a, a spiritual gift mm-hmm. that God is equipping us, giving us to equip his, his church. And the other thing a spiritual gift is not is that, that second word, gift. It, it's not a, a spiritual punishment. And I think sometimes people look at ministry like, oh, man, I've got to do this. I, I know I need to be doing these things, so I have these spiritual gifts I have to use. It's a, an opportunity God has given us to strengthen his church. And I think people need to understand this is a gift that God has bestowed upon me by his graciousness that, that I have the opportunity to use for his glory. And I would say generally when we're exercising that spiritual giftedness, it brings great joy to our hearts as opposed to a, a feeling of uh, constraint or obligation. 
one of the passages that is so key uh, in helping us understand spiritual gifts uh, is that passage that I uh, referred to earlier, 1 Corinthians 12. And let me just read you a little section from that. In the church in Corinth, there was great confusion about spiritual gifts, and some were becoming very prideful over some of the gifts that they believed they had. And, and so the church was very much divided over this issue. And so this is what the Apostle Paul teaches as sort of a foundational principles of spiritual giftedness. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities or ministries, but is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And it's interesting that it would uh, the Apostle Paul would call or refer to spiritual gifts as the manifestation of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. To me, that indicates that it's through our use of the spiritual gift that God would give us that the Holy Spirit reveals himself as residing in us and working through us, mm-hmm. so that the, as we use our gifts, the Holy Spirit is seen. <laughs> he becomes visible to others in the church and even others outside the church. But uh, he talks about there being a variety of gifts. Uh, what are some of the gifts that uh, that you see in, at work in your congregations that bring special uh, or bring blessing to you as a pastor? Certainly uh, the gift of service or the gift of helps. Uh, you, you see uh, various people within the congregation um, having a very servant uh, attitude uh, and, and being willing to serve in a way that is not uh, front and center before the congregation. Maybe it's in the kitchen or in the nursery, but they just they feel most uh, energized when they're doing that work of ministry, and it is such a blessing to the congregation as they benefit from that ministry. Yeah, as you think about the, the gifts that, that bless the church, uh, they all do, and there's yeah. there's not a gift that you can point to and say, you know what, I, th- I think we'd be okay without that one. I, th- hmm. I think I think we're good. Uh, each gift is is absolutely essential for the the health uh, of the church, and you know one of the most beautiful pictures I think of the church is is in Ephesians four, as he's he's talking about the the purpose of these gifts that, that have been given us, and and how how uh, shepherds are to equip people in using their gifts. And he says uh, that we can until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And that's kind of a, a scary picture, I think, for a parent to think about a child you know, in the ocean being tossed to and fro by the waves. But that's the picture of, of a church that doesn't have its members exercising their spiritual gifts. Rather, he says, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part, each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that's uh, the analogy that fits right in with what uh, the Apostle Paul teaches in that First Corinthians 12, that, right. that uh, there's one body, the body of Christ, and yet there are many members, and each part has a different function. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not greater than or less than, but they're different functions. And the whole purpose is so that the body works together to bring about the glory of, of Jesus Christ in this world. Do, do you think there are there aspects of our ch- church culture that 
tend to obscure that truth? Like, do you think we over we, we celebrate some spiritual gifts to the exclusion of others at times? Well, certainly, and we, we have to, of course, as pastors, be very careful of that so that there are some gifts that are very quiet gifts. They're not public. Uh, Art mentioned the gift of helps. Uh, I think the, the gifts of uh, administration often are, are uh, left unsung mm-hmm. and unpraised. Uh, even the gifts of generosity, uh, gifts of faith, you know, gifts of mercy— these are gifts that are exercised not on the stage on a Sunday morning, typically, but they're exercised in quiet corners, exercised in neighborhoods, um, exercised in, in places that the only people who see them are the people who uh, are either recipients of the benefit or the people who are exercising those gifts. And yet it's those gifts that are often most powerful to bring about uh, the salvation of people. We, we've had many uh, in our church who've come to know Christ as a result of the gift of helps or mercy from other people being uh, administered to them and them being drawn to Jesus as a result of, of that ministry. In First Peter 4, Peter writes, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, too. And so that, that ties in with that First Corinthians passage as well, and that the way that a gift of administration or helps or or teaching is going to manifest itself, is going to look different in every believer. And so your gift of teaching may look different than someone else's gift of teaching, or someone's gift of service may look different than someone else's gift of service. And yet it's all, it goes back to the same source, and it all has the same purpose. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, even though I've mentioned that uh, we get great joy when we're exercising our giftedness, uh, my joy in exercising my giftedness is not the intended purpose, it is to serve others. Uh, I have been gifted in order that I might bless others. And, and, and as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, that it's uh, for the common good that I've been gifted, that you've been gifted, that anyone who believes in Christ has received a spiritual gift. Yeah, I, I really, uh, that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 have caused me to think much about this issue of spiritual gifts. He, he talks about the variety of gifts, which we've been discussing. But he also says the varieties of service. Um, he says there's the same Lord, same Spirit, same God. He, it's, it's a triune God that's involved in the exercising of believers with their spiritual gifts. And uh, so a person with the same gift may not have the same ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, two people who, for instance, have the gift of teaching may have completely different ministries, one teaching uh, a large group, maybe a pastor on a Sunday morning, another teaching a small group of children, for mm-hmm. instance. And, mm-hmm. and there's the same gift of teaching, but they're different ministries that those gifts are designed to be used. And then he even goes on to say, and there are also uh, varieties of activities or effects yeah. that... Uh, it's it's not a matter of faithfulness uh, on the ba- on the individual's part to determine what effect they're going to have in the churches they use their gift. So one pastor may be a pastor of twenty thousand people, yeah. and twenty thousand people love hearing him. Another pastor may be the pastor of fifty people, and uh, one person isn't more successful than mm-hmm. another person. It's just different. Mm-hmm. It's the same Lord. It's the way God intended. For his church to function, and that 
that's because we're stewards of the gifts, not owners of the gifts. That's right. And so a, a steward right. says, okay, how do you want me to use the resources you've entrusted to me? And that's how I'm going to do it. And owner says, this is how to do it. God is the owner of the gift and, and we're the stewards of it. And so it's, it's going to look different in the context in which God has sovereignly placed us. One of the most profound uh, verses in 1 Corinthians 12 in my uh, mind is verse 18. It tells us that God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. And so that tells me that a church will have ministries that vary from other churches' ministries because God has placed a giftedness within a particular body for an intended effect. And I, I just think that that informs us then that we ought not to say, okay, well, we need to have this program and that program because that other church that has them is successful. Right. No, if if God places a given gift, gift set in our church, then that will dictate how we minister. That's right. And, and uh, these principles we're discussing help us to focus on having a Godward view of our spiritual gift and not just a horizontal view of, uh, of how it's going to be used and be just excited about that. I remember uh, early in my ministry when I was uh, starting off as a youth pastor, uh, the effect of the gift that God had given me was not very large. In fact, there were some people in the church that were very troubled and and there was quite a bit of pressure upon me. I wasn't seeing the uh, kind of responsiveness among the teenagers. And I got so discouraged that I began to think about leaving the ministry altogether. But it was this very principle that really held me there is that God had confirmed that he had given me a gift. And, and we'll talk about confirmation of a gift in a moment. But he had confirmed that to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, in my prayer time with, with the Lord a very clear message coming to me is it was rich if i would have you use this gift in language with languish with no one responding for the rest of your life will you still be satisfied in serving me and that was a very mm. convicting question that i believe the lord brought to my mind and ultimately uh thankful that the holy spirit brought me to the point of saying yes if yes. if you don't want me to ever experience the joy of seeing people respond <laughs> I'm willing to serve you faithfully. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, thankfully, the Lord did not have that effect in mind. But there are missionaries who who go to places that are very difficult and serve all their life without seeing very much fruit. And uh, it's important for us, as we understand spiritual giftedness, to see that that was not a wasted life. That was exactly in line with how God intended to receive glory sure. through that person. Sure. It's it's a, a call to the ministry of Jeremiah sometimes. You know, yeah. Jeremiah only had uh, two known converts to his to his uh, faithful ministry, mm. and it's, uh, God says to uh, Jeremiah's scribe Baruch says, you know, uh, "Do not seek great things for yourself. You know, I'm about to break down, and what I've planted, I've, I'm plucking up. Uh, why do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I'm bringing disaster upon all flesh." And as we think about our spiritual gifts and, and have a desire to uh, promote ourselves through them, we're, first of all, not being faithful to, as, as stewards, but also uh, setting our hopes on very transitory things. The, the yeah. things that, that we seek sometimes are, uh, are things that aren't going to last, and yet these gifts that God has given us allow us to build upon a, a sure, firm, eternal foundation. And just as the Scripture says, that, that God has given these spiritual gifts to us for the common good. They're not to make us feel good about ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, again, they may have that effect, 
but that's not their purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, their purpose is not for our own self-exaltation or for even our self-gratification. It's not a ministry to us. Mm-hmm. It's a ministry through us to other people for the common good. Mm-hmm. Now, as pastors, I know that you've talked to many people in your congregation who don't know their spiritual gifts, and they're really at a loss to discover what their spiritual gifts are. What kind of counsel would you give to someone who says, okay, I, I know that I must have a spiritual gift because I believe I've been born again, and God's Word tells me that He gives every believer a spiritual gift, but I don't know what that is. What kind of counsel would you give them to help them discover the gifting that God has provided for them? I give them a 25-point question. (laughs) I say, do you feel more like A, a preaching pelican, B, a busy otter, C, an administrative duck? You know, no. There's, there's, I think, uh, Rich, your last comment really touched on on how you find out your spiritual gift. It's not uh, what do you want to do to promote yourself, but... um, what ministries are you involved in serving others and building up the church? And where do you see God supernaturally working through you in the lives of other people? Mm. And that's, I think the best way to determine one's spiritual giftedness is to begin doing ministry for others and seeing how God equips. Right. So, so it's getting your hands dirty. It's, it's wading in and beginning to serve. And then, evaluating with the help of others, especially leaders of the church, what the impact of your ministry is so that you can understand where God uses you most effectively. Yeah, I I think first there are a couple dangers. One is not using a gift that that you didn't know you had. Hmm. You know, in other words, it is important to discover that. The other is trying to use a gift that you've not been given, Mm -hmm. and that also... (laughs) That also is a problem because yeah. our pride often says, well, I want to be, for instance, a teacher. Yes. Right. And uh, I think I'm a teacher because I want to be a teacher. And uh, God may have not given you that spiritual gift of teaching. Uh, and it would be a shame for you to languish all your life trying to serve God uh, in a ministry that God has not gifted a person for. And so, uh, you know, I, I know in, in my life, and, and this is my testimony, when, when I was in high school, there were some friends that came to me and said, Rich, you're the only one who we know who knows the Bible. We, we've just trusted Christ our Savior. Would you teach us? Mm. Well, it was the farthest thing from my mind that I was a, a teacher. I was as shy of person, and public speaking was the absolute most dreaded class I, I took all through high school and even college. And, uh, um, and yet, you know, how, how could I say no to that? And so I, I I know that I must have stumbled and stammered through so many lessons, but each time the my friends would come back saying, "Oh, we're being fed. We love this. We're really growing." And and it was through that uh, uh, experience that God revealed to me a gift that I would have never known that I had if if I would have turned that away out of fear. I would have. I believe I would have never discovered that God had given me this particular gift of teaching, and mm-hmm. and so taking up the opportunities, especially when you see God opening up doors, whether it's through people who are seeking you to help them, or whether it's through church leadership that are asking you. and And I understand that not every time a church leader asks a person to do a ministry, they they ought to necessarily take that as a word from the Lord, right? 
But they ought to take great caution before they turn away from that, I believe, because that may be the very means that God is using to direct toward a gift and toward a ministry that a person would have otherwise not even thought possible. Mm. And that's Ephesians 4.11, that that shepherds have been given to the church to equip the saints for work of ministry. And he goes on and talks, and that's in the context of talking about the, the giving of gifts and uh, in Ephesians 4 there. And so I think spiritual shepherds have a, an obligation to be uh, thinking prayerfully about the, the flock, the people in their church, and, and how to equip them for ministry and what ministries God may be uh, gifting them in spiritually. But then also, as you said, Rich, that the congregation, people in the congregation need to be very willing to say, you know, what is my, my spiritual shepherd seeing in my life? What are some things that they're seeing God doing through me that, that I need to be sensitive to? Yeah. And uh, to flip the question on, on its other side, uh, there are those who listening who are listening who do believe they know their spiritual gifts and are using that. Uh, those gifts for the glory of God, how can they be used? What advice would you give to them on how they can encourage others uh, in their in others' pursuit of their spiritual gifts and knowledge and use of them? Well, I think using their gifts is an encouragement to others. You think about a person that has the gift of generosity, and as they are faithful in using that, that uh, gift of generosity— then it encourages others to be generous and givers yeah. as well. And again, you think of that picture in Ephesians 4, uh, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so uh, the best way to equip other believers to use their spiritual gifts is by you using your spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then also having, uh, be, as a mature person using their giftedness, uh, to take a less mature Christian along with them and... and sort of uh, encourage them, push them into opportunities to test their uh, gifts. Yeah. I believe that most people find uh, their spiritual gifts in part through other believers helping them in some way, encouraging them in some way. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've talked with a lot of elders and pastors and asked the question, well, tell me the process. How did you first learn of your gift how did you get to be where you are today? And and almost all of them say tell, tell about a time when they were younger as a new Christian or a young Christian when a pastor, an elder of a church, took them aside and really uh, challenged them to be part of some ministry. And uh, so those who know their spiritual gift, I think, have a very important responsibility to have spiritual conversations with others in the church about this issue. Mm. You know, I would encourage every believer to ask some questions of other believers when we get in fellowship with each other. We we ask, hey, could you share me with me your testimony of your faith in Christ? I love to hear about that. Can you share with me some of the joys of your walk with God and some of your struggles? And can you share with me uh, your understanding of your spiritual gifts and how you're using those for the sake of the kingdom? And I think if we would have that conversation more in the church among God's people, then we would see more and more people delight in using their gifts. Well, again, we thank you for joining us here at uh, Revive the Drive. We trust that this has been an encouragement to you, and we trust that if you know your spiritual gift, that you would use it, use it for God's glory. And if you do not know your spiritual gift, make it that make that your prayer and your pursuit. God will bless you. Oh.